Join us in Hebrews chapter 5, Hebrews the fifth chapter. I can still taste it when I think about it. It was the most delicious meal I've ever eaten in my entire life. My wife and I were on our honeymoon in Kauai, and we ate at this restaurant called Duke's, and I don't know what they put in the chicken, but it was absolutely incredible, and you've never eaten fruit until you've eaten fresh fruit on the island of Kauai. It was just heavenly. It was absolutely incredible. Some of the some of the best stuff I've ever tasted in my entire life. And then to top it off, to top off this heavenly chicken and this fruit was this giant slice of what they call hula pie, which is basically just accelerating a heart attack all on one small plate. But it's a, uh, it's a chocolate chip pie crust and then macadamia uh, nut ice cream and, and um all kinds. It's just, I, I can't even describe all the things that are in it because I don't know all the things that are in it because they won't tell you all the things that are in it because it's just that good. They don't want anybody else to know about it. And when I still close my eyes, I can still, I can still taste that meal. And it was absolutely the best meal I've ever eaten in my entire life. When I close my eyes, I, I can still taste the meal. It was the worst meal I've ever eaten in my entire life. It was a greasy burger joint. I won't tell you the name because they could sue me with what I'm about to tell you, but it was absolutely disgusting. The burgers were just covered in just slime. The french fries tasted raw. When you bit into the burger, juices like jumped out in every single direction. It's the meal that after you eat it for the next three hours, you're trying to get the taste of it out of your mouth. And you would do absolutely anything just to erase the flavor explosion that is going on in your mouth. And you're reliving it bite by bite by bite. And you would just try anything. I tried gum. I tried the cookie shop in the mall. It was all for naught. It was just the worst meal I've ever eaten in my life. And when I think about it, I can still taste it. You know, food has that ability for me. Maybe it does for you, maybe it doesn't, I don't know. But there's something about a great meal and there's something about a terrible meal. There's just something that stirs with, within me joy and, and just satisfaction when I eat something that's delicious. And there's something also within me that just leaves me wanting when, when I eat something that, that I don't really like all that much. And, and I think a lot of people are like that or else there wouldn't be 14 channels of food preparation on the cable package. And so I don't think I'm alone in that. I, will, I don't think I'm alone in that when you go to a restaurant review and hundreds of people have taken time to get on their cell phones or to get on their computers or tablets and to rate a restaurant and to tell you either yes, go there, or no, don't go there, and if you go, get this, and if you go, you shouldn't have gone in the first place. This is a universal thing with, within us, and, and I think it's good. And this morning in Hebrews chapter 5, what we're going to see is the author of Hebrews plays off this affinity that people have for food a little bit, and he ties it into to a discussion on Christian maturity. Now, if you're just joining us, we're so glad that you're here. We're in the middle of something called the pursuit. 
And this is really all about the, a guide, really, to, to following Jesus. And so it starts, interestingly enough, with a relationship with Jesus Christ. And that happens when we realize, I need, I need God in my life. And so we, we look to the scriptures and we see that we can't have intimacy with God because we're all broken people. We, we all fall short. We've all made mistakes in our lives. We're, we're all imperfect. And unfortunately, God's standard is not good. God's standard is perfection, and none of us meet it. But fortunately for us, God loves us so much that in spite of the fact that none of us meet his perfect standard, he sent one who does. He sent himself, Jesus, in the form of of a man. He was fully God and he was fully man. And he came and he met the standard that none of us could meet. And he died upon a cross for our sins, and three days later he rose again because the Bible tells us that the cost of our sin, the cost of our imperfection, of my mistakes, is death. That's a physical death which we'll all experience, and it's a spiritual death, eternity apart from God in a place the Bible calls hell. So that's where the journey starts. It starts with realizing I can't get there on my own. I've got to have some help. I need somebody. And Jesus is that person. And he's paid the price for us. And, and the next step to that is us. When, when we say, God, I need you in my life. I give my life over to you. Jesus, come and take control. The next step of that is us becoming his disciples, which, which is really a, a big word for us, imitating what, what Jesus did. It's, it's us saying, we want to follow you. We want to do what you told us to do. We, we've turned our life over to you. You've saved us. We've tried it on our own. We haven't, we haven't lucked out. We need you. So God, here's my life. And so the first natural step of that is we should conform our lives to be more like the life of Jesus, who, who was perfect and who did meet God's standard. And last week we saw that one of the first acts of that is, is baptism. And what baptism is, is it's an outward symbol. It's us showing the world and communicating to people the choice that we've made. The fact that at one point in time, the Bible tells us we were dead in our, in our sin, but as a result of our relationship with Jesus Christ, we have, we have new life. And so, once again, we're going to celebrate what Jesus has done in people's lives on November 24th. And if you haven't been baptized, I'm just going to encourage you again today, do not wait. Do not wait. Come talk to me today. November 24th is your day. So that brings us to where we are today. In Hebrews chapter 5, we're going to begin in, in verse 11, and we begin by reading this. About this we have much to say, and it is hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. About this we have much to say, and it is hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a child, but solid food is for the mature. For those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. 
Hebrews 5, 11 through 14. All right, let's dive in and let's, let's break this down. About this, we have much to say, and it is hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. So the author of Hebrews is communicating to his audience here, we have a lot to talk about. Now he's building off the first 10 verses of chapter 5, and we won't go into all of this, but he's beginning to set up Jesus Christ and his high priestly ministry. Jesus was prophesied in the Old Testament to, to fulfill three roles, that of prophet, that of priest, and that of king. And Jesus perfectly fulfills all three roles. Throughout the story of the Old Testament is the nation Israel. And at different times they would have a prophet or they would have a priest or they would have a king. But never did one individual suffice in all three offices. That is what Jesus accomplished. Now the author of Hebrews goes on to point a primarily Jewish audience to Jesus and to say, here is the role that Jesus fulfilled. And then he says, we got a lot to talk about but it's difficult because you've become hard of hearing. Now, I don't know if any of you have ever tried to communicate with somebody who's hard of hearing, whether, whether it's been an older parent or grandparent. Um, sometimes when you're a teenager, you think your parents are hard of hearing if they don't grasp your idea and your way of seeing the world. When you're 14, you think your parents are just hard of hearing because they just don't get it. And you're like, you're just not listening to me. You just don't hear me. And really, they're just like, no, that just that idea is stupid. Don't do it. And as a 14-year-old, like, you're like, oh, you just don't hear me. But on the other side, you'll see, no, nah, it really was just a stupid idea. So just don't. But I don't know if you've ever had any experience of communicating with somebody who's beginning to lose their hearing, but it's a very, very difficult process, and it can become infuriating on multiple levels. On one hand, the person who's becoming hard of hearing, sometimes there's a little bit of denial. There's a little bit of denial involved. They don't want to admit there's a problem. They don't want to admit that they're becoming hard of hearing, and so they, they just resist it at first. And rather than go and get hearing aids or get their hearing checked, they just insist they don't have a problem, everything's fine, and their TV volume won't go up any higher, but they just are convinced that the TV channels are conspiring against them and turning down their volume. But they won't go get it checked out. They, there's, just, there's, there's, a, there's a resistance to it. And I don't know if you've ever tried to communicate with somebody who's hard of hearing. But the entire conversation can be altered as a result. And so some simple tips for when you're communicating with somebody who's hard of hearing that I, that I looked up last night is that you are to speak slowly. You're to look them directly in the eye. And you're to keep it short. Speak slowly. Look them directly in the eye. And keep it short. The problem the author of Hebrews is saying here is that he wants to go into in-depth discussion. And that's not really conducive to speaking slowly and keeping it short. About this we have much to say. And it is hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. And you know what I found? I found that similarly to an individual who's beginning to lose their hearing, whose ears aren't working as well as they once were. There's frustration. There's a little bit of denial. There's pushback. In the same regard, what I've seen is that people who are Christ's followers, 
who have not grown and developed and matured in their relationship with Jesus Christ as they should have. Those same characteristics are there. There's denial. There's pushback. There's frustration. And could it be that the frustration within those who've not grown and developed in their relationship with Jesus as they should, they've made the decision to become a Christ follower, but it just stopped there. They've heard the gospel. They've heard the good news. They've heard what God has done for them. But they've never really taken that and put it into practice in their life. They've never grown. They've never taken it to a next level of actually trying to imitate and emulate Jesus Christ. Could it be that the frustration that you're experiencing is a natural result of the Spirit of God communicating to your heart and to your life? I created you for so much more than this. I desire in our relationship so much more than this. I want you on a deeper level. I want more from you. And could it be that the frustration builds from the fact that we are not living and functioning to our full potential and are not doing all that we were created and could through the power of God at work within us? About this, we have much to say, and it is hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. Very simply, grow up. You should be mature. At this point in your life, in your spiritual development, you should be mature is what the author says, but you're not. You're immature. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need to be taught. Notice the progression of the Christian life. By this time, you ought to be teaching. This is why it's so important that we have diversity in the body of Christ. This is why it's so important that we have people who are more mature being actively involved within the church. This is why it's important that every walk and every, every end of the spectrum of the spiritual journey is represented in the church. We need to be the source of hope for those who are far from God. We need to be there to walk beside those who've just given their lives to Christ. And understand this, if you're here this morning and you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ and you're just seeking and, and you're just searching, we're so glad that you're here. And again, I would just challenge you, make sure you know what you're searching for. It's great to be on a journey searching out things, but know what you're looking for. And for those of you who are here and you made a decision to follow Jesus and that's a fresh decision, we're so glad you're here. And don't beat yourself up over when you look at other people and you see where they are and you think, I could be so much further. Don't beat yourself up. Use, utilize that as encouragement. 
Use those people as examples. See, the, the reality is, the minute you accept Jesus Christ, you're a new creation. And, and I know this is a foreign idea, especially if you come to Christ later on in life or when you're an adult. But the reality is, it's like you're a baby. And expectations of babies are not many. And so for those of you who are new to following Jesus Christ, what I want to convey to you is you're good. Strive to grow, but don't beat yourself up. That's not who this is. This is not addressed to those who just made a decision to follow Jesus. This is addressed to those who made a decision to follow Jesus a long, long time ago and who were spiritual babies a while ago and who have done absolutely nothing to grow, develop, or mature. <clears throat> this is the important part of having diversity in the body of Christ. Because those who are mature, it is our job to be invested in the lives of those who are not as mature. That's our job. To be invested in the lives of those who are not as mature. So as a church, we need people on every end of the maturity spectrum. And you say, Brian, I'm not a teacher. I don't, I don't do crowds. I don't like standing up in front of people. I've grown, I've matured, but I want nothing to do with teaching. And don't think you're off the hook quite yet. Because Titus chapter 2 gives us this beautiful model of the older, more mature, coming alongside the younger and being invested in their lives. See, I believe in Hebrews 5, we're not just exclusively talking about people here who have a spiritual gift or the ability to teach. We're talking about all Christians. And so if you're here and you've been a follower of Christ and your spiritual relationship has grown and developed and you look at your life right now and you have trouble you have trouble coming up with the individual whose life you are investing in. I'm sorry, but you're doing something wrong. At every point in our lives, it should be our goal to constantly, at every point in our lives, have somebody that we're investing in and have somebody who's investing in us. And if you're having trouble this morning naming just those two people, just start with one person on each end of that spectrum. First, the person that you're investing in, and then the person who's investing in you. If you're having trouble mentioning those two people, then I want to challenge you. Make some changes in your life. Make some changes in your life. Find the person this week that you can invest in. 
And if you have trouble finding the person who'd be willing to invest in you, then what I want, want to challenge you to do is call us or email us. Let us know. And as a church, we will find somebody to pair you up with. Look at your community groups. See if they're in there. Don't go it alone. Don't go it alone. But by this time, you, you should be teachers. Yet, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. And in a couple of weeks, uh, Brooke, Brooke and I's son Ethan will turn one years old, one year old, and uh, we're we're very, very excited about that, and have grand plans of seeing him smash cake in his face and torture him. Uh, and then take pictures and embarrass him for the rest of his life. So that's our plan. Uh, but we're, we're very excited. I've realized in the last month going out to eat has gotten more expensive because all of a sudden this kid's starting to order food. Um, not by himself. He's not a prodigy. Don't get me wrong. He's just a standard baby. We're not one of those parents that think our kid's awesome and food doesn't stay. I mean, we, we know, all right? But he, when, we go out, when we go out to dinner... All of a sudden, Ethan needs to eat now. And, and I remember the process when, when he was about six to nine months old, Brooke was married to an app on her phone named Baby Center, and she was looking up, oh, great, he can have this kind of food, he can have that kind of food. I'm like, just keep him on the bottle. It's so much cheaper. But she's like, no, Brian. And so we're working this kid up, and he's eating everything now. The kid is a monster. No, he really is. If you haven't seen him, he's 24 pounds. He's a monster. He's huge. Now with Ethan, everybody expects, expects us to track and to monitor his progress. Everybody expects us to move him from milk to solid food. I mean, if he's four and he's drinking nothing but milk... Probably a problem on our end as parents. We transition him. We move him. We help him grow. It's just part of the natural process. And the same thing is true in our development as Christ's followers. We need to have markers. We need to look back and we need to see how have we grown? How have we developed? How is my relationship with Jesus different this year than it was last year or two years ago or five years ago or a decade ago? Am I growing? Am I developing? I believe one of the biggest factors for people remaining on spiritual milk and not solid food is we just don't take the time to measure our progress. I don't know what those measurements look like for you in your spiritual journey. Maybe it's an issue of prayer time. Maybe it's an issue of scripture reading. 
Maybe it's an issue of fasting. I don't know what that looks like for you individually, but what I know is that within all of us, part of following Jesus is growing and developing in our spiritual lives. And so the challenge is we need to look back and we need to, cart, we need to chart a course. We need to look back and see, have I grown and have I developed? Where am I now versus where I was? And where do I want to go? Again, we have to have something we're aiming at. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness. Since he is a child. I'll just ask again very, very plainly and very simply, how have you grown? Do you love Jesus today more than you did yesterday? Are you closer to the heart of God today than you were last year? For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness. Since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature. For those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. And here's the contrast. Solid food is for the mature. For those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. And when we can distinguish good from evil, it helps us make choices that are more in line with the heart of God. And as we make choices that are more in line with the heart of God, we become more like Christ. And what happens is our joy exponentially increases. Our desire to serve God exponentially increases. The way we look at other people is radically altered and radically changed. That's all part of the end result of becoming mature. It changes our life. And so, there's sometimes this tension in the church between a mindset of, I just, I want to be fed, or I need to feed myself. I mean, it's, it's the same tension that I have every single day. A sandwich just tastes better when Brooke makes it. I don't know why. We could use the same ingredients. We could make it in the same exact way. It just tastes better when Brooke makes it. I don't know what it is about her. It's just better when somebody else prepares it for you. 
A steak tastes better when Brooke cooks it. I can follow a recipe to a tea. We can do, I mean, everything's just better when it's prepared for me. Just is. I just like the taste more. If we're not careful, that tension can happen in our own lives and in our own spiritual development. Ethan, my son, every single meal is made for him. He needs to be fed. Me? I get a whole lot of meals made for me. I'm a very lucky man. But there are times that Brooke's not there. And I have to make my own sandwich. Are you feeding yourself? Are you feeding yourself? Or is your spiritual expectation at every point along the way to want to be fed? And if you're a baby in Christ, just starting out, that's okay. But part of the maturing process, part of becoming more like Christ, is feeding yourself. Going. And becoming mature. Investing in God's Word. Opening the pages of this book, or opening the app on your phone, And hearing from the heart of God, which is revealed to us in Scripture, His Word. See, in the Christian life, we can't always rely on somebody else feeding us. And so for those of you who are mature, listen to me. For those of you who are mature, it's time if you're not, it's time. Feed yourself. And then from that which you feed yourself, invest in the life of somebody else and help feed them in the process. That's what we're called to do. That's the model of Jesus' disciples. And that's the author's, author of Hebrews' desire for his audience. For them to feed themselves, to mature, to grow, and to develop. I've counted, and I could be wrong, 122 food options between the Strip and Belden Village. 122. It is a miracle that any of us run into one another at Sunday lunch. 122 food options between the Strip and Belden Village. Nick and Ashley Rochford, they, they volunteered to watch Ethan one night for us, and it was so kind. And, and Brooke and I, we just really needed to have a, a night out. We were 
transitioning up here and living with my parents at the time and just really needed some time away. And uh, Nick and Ashley took care of Ethan and, and Brooke and I dropped Ethan off at the Rochford's house and we're in the car and we're heading towards Strip or Belden Village and she looked incredible and I'm driving and I said, where would you like to go to dinner? And she said, I don't care. Where do you want to go for dinner? I don't know. What are you in the mood for? I'm not really sure. What do you want? Well, I could do Italian, Chinese, American, a steakhouse, Mexican. Any of those sound good? They all sound great. So we're like, we'll just drive and we'll find a place. That was the dumbest thing I've ever said. Don't just think you're going to drive and find a place when you have 122 options. And we circled the area three times before we decided on the restaurant we wanted to eat. It took us 40 minutes to decide where to eat dinner. We were both starving and grumpy in the car by the time we just ate at a stupid restaurant. There were 122 options, and we just kept driving around saying, I'm really hungry, I want to eat. But we didn't just stop the car and eat. And never before has the Bible been so available to us. Never before have tools and resources been so available to us and so cheap and oftentimes free that help us understand when we engage in God's word. And yet the temptation for us in our spiritual journeys is like we're riding in a car with 122 options and rather just pick a restaurant, go in and eat, we just drive around aimlessly. Don't let the resources that are there to help you become a hindrance. And so if you're here today and you don't know where to start, then I invite you, come talk to me. I'll be in the comments. Talk to Steve. Talk to your community group leader. We would love to craft a plan with you. We would love to help you. Here's our desire. Our desire is that you would become involved and invested in encountering God's word. Why? Because this is the way that God has spoken to us. This book offers hope. The meaning of our lives. May we never stay babies because we're not invested. Go on your Bible app. Click on plans. They have plans that range from three days to two years. Pick a plan. Start somewhere. Engage in God's word so that you can move away from milk. You can encounter solid food.
and you can move to teach in the person's life you are investing in. Because that's what we've all been called to do. Don't drive around aimlessly while 122 restaurants call your name. God, I pray that we would just be passionate about encountering you through your word. God, I pray that we would be passionate about investing in the lives of other people. God, allow us to just in this moment search our hearts. God, help us see how we've grown and developed in our relationship with you. God, I pray that if if we have difficulty of that, that you'd forgive us of that. And I pray, God, that your spirit within our hearts would, would instill a passion within us to know you more, to love you on a deeper level, and to passionately pursue you. And then, God, out of that, that we would passionately pursue others, that we would be a catalyst for growth in their lives. And that, God, we would function as you created us to. God, be glorified in us. May we seek you with our whole heart. In your son, Jesus' name we pray. And so our great God has communicated his heart to us in his word. Let's not miss the heart of God. If you need help, if you need a place to start, if if you're not really sure of of how to jump in, I would love nothing more than to talk with you. Be available in the comments. Don't forget, Equip starts today. If, If you want to go to the Equip class as well, we'll hang out afterwards and we'll talk with you then. Whatever we need to do to help you encounter our great God, we want to help you. And thanks so much for being here. We'll see you in the comments.